Welcome to the seventh podcast recorded at Sinus College. This is regarding health disparities and food disparities. I'm Rasan. My name's Araba. I'm Deborah. So yeah, let's get started. Um, our first thing that we're going to talk about is food disparities. Um, we are taking this from an online source on YouTube. Um, various, yeah, various academic journals. Yeah, and the Guardian, they both have. My school has a video talking about South Memphis, um, and the Guardian talks about. Um, is it like I don't know what it's called, but it's basically surrounding like food disparities. Both of them, they're just giving different examples. And I will also be drawing <clears throat> some information, from some sources from the podcast, another podcast called The Racist Sandwich. So let's get into that. Yes. Disclaimer, my voice is gone. I'm so sick. <laughs> and we recorded this yesterday, but it deleted, so now we're back again. We're redoing it. But we got this. So. Um, so where did you guys grow up and... Um, what was it like? What was like your access to food? Like, did you have to travel far? Was it right next to you? Like, what was that process like for you guys growing up? So for me, um, I've seen like both ends of like having access to food and like fresh food and not having access to fresh food. I used to live in Strasburg, Pennsylvania. And I remember like the closest supermarket or like police that we couldn't even buy food. We had to take a car and I don't remember exactly how far it was, but it was far that we had to consider like if we have money for gas and like how much gas was basically like it was a couple miles away. And it was like a Walmart and growing up I remember that's the only I remember thinking that was like the only place that you could like buy food at. And then when I moved to New York, it was like the complete opposite. There were like fresh fruits or like as fresh, more fresh than usual fruits and like vegetables. And there was like supermarkets, basically one or two on every block really. Um, you don't need to take a car. You don't need to take like transportation for the most part. You could like walk like one or two minutes away. So, yeah. um, I would say mine's pretty much the complete opposite of kind of lived in secluded areas. Um, like suburban and everything's pretty much been far um, so in order to access food I've either had to rely on my parents or kind of just order something um, I've never had the privilege just like these people to be able to just like <laughs> literally um, be able to walk um, to like a grocery store or so something like that well, exactly, but still, I, I've always, um, that's always been interesting to me to, like, see people just be able to, like, leave their house and be like, oh, like, let me just go to, like, to the shopping store right here and, like, get some food. Like, I've never had that. Um, so, yeah, that's me. Um, for me, growing up in East New York, um, I had a lot of, like, food sources, like, supermarkets and stuff available to me. Um, we had a mall that had like BJ's and Target and like ShopRite. 
and all that. And you had to take the bus and the bus ride would be like about like 25 minutes um, away from where I lived. And then like a couple blocks, a couple blocks um, down from where I lived, um, there was another supermarket. It only took like about like eight minute walk to get there. And then a 13 minute walk to like um, a street farmer's market style type of thing where there will be like um, kind of like lower end farmer market goods being sold um, on the block of like the strip. So those were like the food um, sources that I had available to I have, me. A, I have a question. Mm -hmm. um, where did my question go? Oh, do you think it was easier to get fast food around where you live oh. or to get fresh food? Yes. There was like, literally, there was a Burger King and there was a Popeyes and then a Subway. Oh. And then on the other side of like the, the block, yeah, there's a McDonald's, there's a Wendy's. And then on the other side, there's a KFC there where is. there's a Popeyes. And then there's like, all over there. there's like, <laughs> there's like so many like uh, Chinese food restaurants. We all know like they're not like real Chinese food. Yeah. It's just like greasy whatevers. And then you have like your regular New York pizzeria there. Um, but I have so much like junk food there. But there any like, see how like they could like cook food at, mm -hmm. like where you could like rice and beans. Were there yeah. any of those around where you live? There was like a couple stores like a or like lot. cafes that were like there, but like they were still kind of like more expensive than going to McDonald's. So people yeah. naturally would prefer prefer what's cheaper. So they would go to like yeah. McDonald's instead of like going to like the supermarket to spend like five bucks on like tomatoes instead of like five bucks wow. on like a whole meal with a soda. Yeah, with a drink. <laughs> soda. Yeah, when I think about it, like if I did have to walk somewhere, it would kind of be like a grip of a walk. But, mm. Um. The first two places that I think of are Burger King, mm -hmm. McDonald's. I mean, there's like a. So it was easier to like, get there than the supermarket. Yeah, I mean, the, the supermarkets are like kind of near it, but I was oh, like, if good. I, if I had to walk somewhere like based on proximity, the fast food chains would be top choice. Okay. What about so, you? Um. So basically, The Guardian has this video on YouTube, and it's about. South Memphis and how it's the hunger capital of the United States. Mm -hmm. And the video really like highlights the privilege and like the equity of a lot of low income black communities. And also like it sheds light on a lot of like small privilege privileges that people like take for granted, like even being even being able to like get food. Yeah. So also explain a little bit what we saw in the video. Yeah, and basically they showed um like just their daily life. So um, they interviewed one woman who had about five kids and they just showed like what her pantry looked like and like what normal meals she would cook and like ways of transportation to getting like to the actual grocery store. And it took her about walking like 45 minutes. Um, it's... Just to, I mean, like I said, eating is a, it's a requirement. Like, it's not like, oh, like, yeah, I'll just eat next week. Like, <laughs> you have to eat every day, like, in order <laughs> to live. Like, it's a necessity. Um, so just seeing, like, how they have to, like, literally take out a whole chunk of their day just for transportation, just to get there. And then, like, having to carry, like, all those groceries back 
and like being worried about um like what's the next time yeah so like when when they like showed the video of like showing her pantry like it was just all like processed foods and corn dogs and yeah it's just really unhealthy for their children so it really just shows like how um like all the high-end like grocery stores are like clustered in one area Mm -hmm. and um how like in the impoverished areas like that's not like there's more liquor stores than there are food chores i also like interviewed like different people in the community basically everybody was just saying how like they worry when is the next time they'll be able to like get food like even the mom with like five kids she talked about how she would have to ask somebody for a ride or like find a way to somebody to drive her so what she would end up getting is like stuff that collapsed her family like until the next time that she ever does go to the grocery store and she talked a lot about how when she is able to go to the grocery store like excuse me she could cook like a four-course meal for her kids but most of the time she's just worrying about whether like they eat if anything at all Mm -hmm. which is like really sad yeah and it shouldn't be a hassle just to get you know the things that you need and to have to worry about like who's going to take me there and how long is it going to take mm-hmm. like some people probably have to call off from work like yeah. just because that takes hours to even get there and back and like pick up your groceries like that's just that's too much and then on top of that like society starts to like judge you know these parents that can't like like afford the time to like go grocery shopping or to spend time with like their families and then they get right because they're likely working too right and then they get judged saying oh you're not taking care of your kids you know your kids are fat this is and the third and it's like that's not the case not everybody has like that privilege to go get have a car go grocery shopping sit down with their family cook a four course meal whatever help them with their homework and like all that good stuff the really surprising thing about the video is when um, the activist starts explaining, like, why things really are. So, like, South Memphis used to be, like, a very, like, upscale, like, area during segregation and right before, like, integration happened. And when integration was enforced, clearly, like, people started moving into the neighborhood and what occurred was, like, white flight. And because of redlining practices after that, um, there weren't any loans being given out to small businesses. There wasn't any investments made in the community. And the community itself right now just looks like completely like run down and abandoned. And then when you they show they show the community that is like mostly white and upscale that's only like a couple miles down from them or something. And they literally have grocery store from the grocery store from the grocery store. Like any type of grocery store you could think of, like they have it all like mostly in walking or like transportation distance from their houses and how even like today like it's a struggle for like activists and like lawmakers to even get a grocery store in South Memphis because nobody wants to invest in a community that looks and feels dangerous to them and the people in the community like do want a grocery store like they say like if they if they had a choice between choosing a home cooked meal or like natural foods like they would choose it, but they, they don't have that option at all. And the crazy thing is that people in South Memphis live 13 years less than the rest of, like, Memphis, which is, like, majority white, mm-hmm. which makes you think, like, have we 
ever really like changed and like society really accomplished what is like seen to be like oh like integration like slavery's done like everything was like equal but you're like black poor people are still black people in general but especially black poor people are like dying at higher rates than white people which is insane when it comes to like food scarcity and um food disparities and stuff like this do you guys think that segregation helped or hurt black people in America? Like, what do you guys think? I feel like segregation. Wait, you mean integration or segregation? Segregation. Integ- well, you know oh, what? Yeah. You know what? Integration, yeah. yeah. I feel integration like, of what? Like, do you think that like when integration... They segregation. Yeah, when they ended segregation and, in, like, implement, implemented, like, integration, do you think integration um, helped or hurt black um, or African-Americans um, when it comes to, like, food um, disparities and food scarcities in their communities. I feel like I feel like integration. Not that it did more harm than good, because I feel like that's a stretch. But mm-hmm. I feel like in a ways it really did harm, like black people even more than. Can I say even more? I don't know. I feel like it did. I don't know. But I feel like it did really bad for like black people in general because they just they force something without like taking measures like in other parts of society to like make sure that it worked. Like the society wasn't ready for it to be integrated and they like made everybody integrate right. and they didn't look at like what can happen after that. Like they were just like, okay, you guys want to integrate then like we're gonna give that to you. Yeah. And like that's gonna solve everything. But they didn't take like active measures mm-hmm. to really ensure like integration was possible and because of that. We just see like all these disbalances. Yeah. So, um, I feel like in- integration just kind of made it the same because segregation, um, <coughs> like having that as like the root, like core of everything, mm-hmm. even if you do like put everyone together, like they're still gonna be like, not naturally in a sense, but like, yeah. um, there's always gonna be a form of segregation no matter what you mm-hmm. do, unless you. Like actually, like it's, it's kind of like the difference between like diversity and like inclusion. Like, right. if you like actually like bring everyone together and like include everyone, that's different from just like putting everybody like in a room and like together, okay, like, yeah. Yeah. Them, right. right, exactly. Like oh, like this is diversity. No, it's just diversity. Yeah. Right. So like actually, like, and I kind of think of it as like equity over equality like everyone needs like equal resources rather than mm-hmm. just like putting everyone in the same spot mm-hmm. and calling it that integration yeah. so. i like that i think that um i think integration actually hurt um african-americans um especially like in our community like yeah like our the structure of our communities like even more mm-hmm. like and a lot of like you know i'll cut you off um i feel the same oh that it hurt yeah, I think that um, integration actually hurt um, African Americans um, when it comes to like food um, disparities and stuff like that. Because, like, I keep going back to this, but like, if we look at Black Wall Street and how they're yeah. able to sustain themselves, mm-hmm. and like having like you know their own banks, you know their own grocery stores, and like all Everything. these things, like that's possible when 
it's us for us by us type of situation going on. And I think that for, you know what, I'm not putting out segregation or anything because a lot of good did come out of it. But in terms of food um, disparities and, you know, things we see now as a consequence of white integration, I think that African-Americans in a way would have been better off if the government was able to like allocate more financial resources or financial aid to them to develop these grocery stores and these um, farms or whatever mm -hmm. for themselves rather than saying, okay, you guys all live together, you know, black and white, yay. Right. And then white saying, actually, no, we out. And then them having the good um, yeah. allocation of money and resources. And, and being able to and, even move Right. Out. And then the black community not having anything. And I think it goes back to what you were saying about like equity, like that's important. Like, mm -hmm. so imagine having integration. I mean, not integration, but like imagine segregation, but with equity at the same time like having that allocation of money okay. being you know invested in your community whilst you know everybody in that community playing a role and doing their part in sustaining like, like that financial yeah and still maintaining like that um financial um wealth and mm -hmm. like you know keep growing that i think the world we live in will be a little bit different, but this is my opinion. You know, it's my yeah. idea. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that because, yeah. like, even even in the past, like, what you're describing pretty much is like Black Wall Street before right. it was burned down. Yeah. So having that and just having your own wealth, like, you don't have to worry about like integration or like you know balancing with like you know mm -hmm. white people. Like, you just you're your own entity and you're able to thrive on your own. So. Right. I agree, but I feel like like. I feel like our main goal is to like integrate mm -hmm. but integrate in like the sense of equity yeah like not like this fake integration that we have now mm -hmm. like yeah like what you're saying i feel like would help like would have been like great but i feel like the goal was to be able to like we, we shouldn't have to be segregated like we shouldn't have to be like apart from that you know what i'm saying like yeah, to yeah. get to that place so i feel right. like if they integrated but did the like allocation, but like yeah, like there would have been racism. Yeah. But like, I feel like what integration did was like just ruin like the structure of like black communities and like black economy, mm -hmm. and like that just trickled down. It's like the domino effect; like it just trickles down and like messes up everything. Mm -hmm. So I feel like if we still had that same like support, that like we would have been like better off today because like in South Memphis they just couldn't leave. Like if the black people had the means to like. They moved into the city and then, mm -hmm. then the white people left. If they had the visa move out to another city, like mm -hmm. I don't think stuff like this would have happened. It probably would have happened somewhere else, but most of it like we didn't have the means to do what we wanted to do while we were integrated. True. So it's like like if the policies would have changed, like if redlining was illegal, I feel mm -hmm. like we wouldn't see such a like this balance between white and black people. Like integration was supposed to make it like equal because now we all have the same access but then like it was like they were just closing the doors to like all the access we had because of like all these illegal like racist things i feel like if that wasn't a place we'd be like good well better yeah i think that yeah when it comes to like the um allocation of like resources and like all that stuff i think well not i think but we know that now um in our society that you know, poor people or low-income people who live in, like, food deserts, some of the few things they do have access to are things like 
soup kitchens, um, um, different nonprofit programs like City yeah. Harvest that like basically they go to like grocery stores or restaurants that are gonna throw away like food that could be saved or rescued and they prepare that meal and give it away to like other soup kitchens. So like things like that are what um low income or poor people or people in food um in food desert areas um depend on. And even that, we don't really see the government being hands-on. Mm-hmm. What we see the government more hands-on are things like SNAP and like um, yeah. food stamps, basically. Um, that's about it. So what, how do you guys feel about that? The food stamps? Though? Food stamps, the like kitchens, it. the government being kind of, we don't care about y'all. Like, how do you guys feel? I feel like it, it really like makes you feel like lesser of a person, especially mm-hmm. since they have. Now that... I know it, it was only something recent that doesn't allow you to like purchase like hot foods. Mm-hmm. So it's like why why because like people receive SNAP like how, how are you lesser of a person to not receive like warm food like this like cooked meals. Yeah, it, it makes you feel like lesser of a person. And it just perpetuates the idea that you know you're always going to stay that way and, like mm-hmm. even if you do receive benefits and that's all you deserve. Yeah. And it just makes it harder for, like, the whole point of SNAP is for you to be able to, like, get food mm-hmm. and, like, healthy food. Well, I'm thinking the point is to get, like, healthy food, like, for you and your family, but they're just making it even harder for you to do that. And especially, like, SNAP is for, like, low-income families mm-hmm. or, like, low security needs, like, people that can't work or, like, they work and it's not enough. Yeah. So it's, like, like, for the lady that had, like, five kids, she couldn't be receiving SNAP, and, like, she don't got time to, like, probably work, like, three jobs, because I think she said she worked, like, two or three jobs, mm-hmm. but how's she going to get home and, like, cook all of that for her kids? Yeah. Like, it just doesn't make no sense. It's not realistic. It's not. Having three jobs, taking care of kids. Homework, mm-hmm. laundry. Right. See, yeah. that's having, only a few having things. Having raw food and then having to cook. Yeah, like, after working long hours. That's impossible. I feel like the government's like approach to this is to like bad day stuff. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's like you have like this huge wound, and like they're just putting like band aids over it, but they're not fixing like the wound. So like, right, you're gonna yeah. keep bleeding. It's like that makes the, me think of that like broken glass too, and they put like a little band aid over it. That's, yeah, that's mm-hmm. pretty much what it like, is. Like you can't. People, like, poor people don't need, they do need, like, resources, but, like, we need to fix the issues that are making people poor, because you could give them everything, but they're right. still going to be poor. Like, they're not, they're not going to not be poor until, like, you do something to, like, policies and, like, laws to mm-hmm. allow them to, like, move up. Well, we as society also kind of play a role in, like, that and, like, the stigma and, like, yeah, how poor. the, um, in a way, it's kind of like we kind of enable the government to just allocate, like, taxes and decide what they're going to decide, like, decide what those taxes that, you know, those poor people are yeah. paying, what they're going to be um, able to afford with, like, their SNAP and stuff. And I think that if we as a community, like, came together and said, okay, we go to, like, City Hall or whatever, and we say we want this and this and this, for you know the poor people in our communities or whatever, and also to debunk like the stereotypes and like the stigmas around being poor and using SNAP and like all that stuff. I right. think it would be a lot better. I for feel like poor people. I agree. It has to do a lot with like 
not being educated. Mm. Like, I feel like black people, they don't have, well, financial literacy isn't a fixed thing. Right. But they also don't have, like, I'm not going to, like, generalize, but there's, even in, like, white communities, like, people in general, I feel like they don't understand, like, the way our government works enough. Like, the way, like, things are actually, like, working, how things actually, like, are in play, like, against us. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, I feel like with that, we lose, like, a lot of power. Because mm-hmm. if we know, if we know how things are working against us, then we can, like, fix them. And, like, not that there aren't, like, activists and stuff, but even, like, right now, with, like, Trump, like, he did that whole, like, taxes thing. We're, like, a lot of people, like, are really happy with Trump right now because they see more of their paycheck day to day. But actually, they're receiving less of their tax return. So it's like, yeah, you're getting, well, let's say, like, $200 more a month. Yeah. But then, you in reality, when you get your taxes back, you're losing 300 <laughs> So it's like, yeah, like, I got these extra, like, $100 every week or whatever. Yeah. But then all the taxes that you're paying, you actually, you're not seeing all that return at the end of the year. Right. So it's like, people aren't that seeing that. So it's like, people just continue to, like, fall in the traps of, like, politicians, like, mm-hmm. lawmakers and stuff. And they easily be deceived. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From black or white lawmakers, really, because it don't really matter at this point. And that's yeah. why it's really important to, like... Uh, um, like, since we have all these, like, things in the community, mm-hmm. I guess it's important to not um, specifically, like, blame it on individuals. Like, right. it's it's literally a system. Um and until that happens, we we have to stop, like, blaming on individuals. Yeah. Bottom line, you know, poor people in our communities deserve better. You know, they deserve to taste something other than shame, you feel me? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of like, it's our duty to, like, fight. Feel me? It's our duty to fight for our right. rights. Right. <laughs> it's our duty to fight for our right. Right. It is. It is. And to speak back. And to speak back. And to speak back, you know, talk to our government and all that stuff. Um, right. So, like, from food um, disparities um, comes health disparities. So, give me, like, your opinions and stuff. How do you guys think food disparities um, relates or correlates with health disparities? Well, basically, I feel like a lot of the issues and, like, diseases we have right now is, like, our low quality of food in America and, like, poor choices and options. Like, our body depends on, like, the nutrients and literally the chemicals that we're, like, eating. So if if you're not eating right, then your body can't be right. So it's, like, that's why we have all these, like, type 2 diabetes, hyper blood tension, like varicose veins or something. I don't even know. Like, mm-hmm. all this stuff has to, like, do with it. And it's specifically harming black people more mm-hmm. because we don't have the same access as everybody else. Right. Right. So you are what you eat, and your body is your temple. So if, you, if you're giving it, <laughs> I mean, uh, hey, yeah. if you're not, you know, if you're feeding yourself, you know, processed foods all the time and you can't have anything nutritious and yeah, it's gonna to lead to hypertension, high blood pressure, and, and we're seeing, like, you know, higher mortality rates. Yeah. yeah, it used to just be like in older generations, but now we're seeing it in you know, kindergartners and stuff like exactly. that. Exactly. And a lot of these diseases could be preventable if only these people in the in the community had access to healthier food. 
and yeah. organic real food yeah. <laughs> with less chemicals, please. Um, yeah, a lot of these diseases could be prevented, therefore um, eliminating or limiting um, the amount of visits they make to lower income or lower quality hospitals, therefore putting their lives in less danger mm -hmm. than they already are if they were to get sick and then go to like low quality hospitals to begin with. That's facts. Yeah. So. Well, guys, this is the end. Of our podcast. You won't be thank you for listening. Anymore. Yeah, thank but you for listening to the future episode. Yeah, the future episode. Our future classes. Yeah, mm -hmm. they're gonna be so, amazing. See you on the flip side. <laughs> Later. <laughs>